Shalom Mishpacha. Shalom family. Mishpacha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpacha, the family with a Jewish heart. Made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people where the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile, it's come down to form one new man, one new humanity. Getting ready, Mishpacha, to blow the grandest shofar or the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone everywhere, to have such a spirit of boldness that they're not ashamed of the gospel. Uh, You see, before I started this radio interview, uh, I was in a store, and uh, I I just started a conversation with a woman next to me, uh, and she was from Brazil, uh, and everyone's around there watching us, and, uh, and I led her to the Lord, and it was so easy, I thought, How can it be so easy? I just believe, my guest, by the way, is Robert Gay. Uh, Robert, I believe that we're coming into a new season of God. I sense it. Uh, What is God showing you? Well, I believe we're definitely coming to a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I believe that God is setting us up right now for the greatest awakening that we have ever experienced. But, you know, the reason that I'm interviewing you is because God spoke to you recently, something that you almost were shocked over. But if people don't get this connection, they may miss the great outpouring of God's Spirit. And what God spoke to you was about the connection between grace and the Ten Commandments uh, what did you think when God said that to you? Well, I was actually, uh, of course, had been pastoring at that time when the Lord spoke that to me, which was, which was about three years ago. Um, been pastoring for about 13, 14 years. And, uh, of course, I've been in ministry for much longer. But uh, I had never really focused any type of attention on the Ten Commandments. You know, occasionally would have a message that I would teach on one of the commandments or that pertain to the commandments. Uh, but I had never actually uh, d- did an entire series or focused much attention on them whatsoever. The Lord began to speak to me about the connection between grace and the Ten Commandments. And it really caused me to get into the, uh, the Word even more. I've always been a student of the Word, but it really uh, caused me to begin to study that out and begin to search out the Scriptures and see what Jesus had to say about the Ten Commandments. And, of course, Paul spoke of the Ten Commandments. James spoke of the Ten Commandments. And you would think, uh, you know, if when God gave the Ten Commandments, if he could have said anything. You know, uh, he could have made a commandment. to, and, and instead of just having Ten Commandments, there could have been 20, there could have been 50 or 100 or more. But there were ten very important things on God's heart. And those are the things that he originally carved in stone. And now, because we're born again, they're now written upon our hearts. Uh, Yes, but there are many Christians uh, that have literally cut out the Old Testament portion of the Bible. Uh, What would you say to them? Well, I would say the only Bible that uh, Paul ever preached out of was the Old Testament. And uh, we know that everything that was written in the Old Testament, they're, they're written there for our example. The Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I think it's very interesting. A lot of times we hear these phrases, the Old Testament God versus the New Testament God. And you'd almost think from hearing some people talk that God's a schizophrenic. 
It's like he was one way in the Old Testament, and now he's another way. Well, you know, a lot of Christians are confused on this because uh, we read in the Old Testament the way God uh, you know, destroys whole groups of people, and then in the New it says he's love. And, and so the, the only conclusion that a lot of people come up with is he was schizophrenic. <laughs> well, of course, one of the things that I've always said is John 3.16, which is a very important, a uh, familiar passage of Scripture to all believers, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, we have to remember that was the God of the Old Testament that did that. Uh, there was no new covenant at the time that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So you have to realize that anything and everything that God has ever done has always been birthed out of a heart of love. It's because he loved the man who he created. Uh, the wages of sin is death, and so sin always brought forth death, destruction, and brought forth the curse. Uh, however, obedience to what God declared, obedience and adherence to what God spoke, always brought forth the blessing that he desired to pour out upon man. We have to understand God has always been and will always be a blesser, and he will always and has always been one who loves all of mankind. But we have to align ourselves to receive that and do the things that are necessary in order to take full advantage of his blessing that he desires to actually bring forth within our lives. Uh, now, you said that people must understand the connection between grace and the Ten Commandments, or they may miss the great outpouring of the Holy Spirit uh, that's going to hit the United States. And uh, interestingly enough, you said Israel, too. Now, I believe what the Lord is going to do in these days that we're living in and we're coming into, I believe we are right now very ripe for the greatest outpouring. Now, the Bible says wherever sin abound, grace did much more abound. And so I believe that we are positioned right now for a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I believe there are going to be millions that are going to come into the kingdom of God. And, uh, and of course, this is my personal opinion. I, I believe there is a connection uh, between the church and Israel, and I believe what God does within the church, I believe that it is reflected in Israel, and vice versa, what God does in Israel begins to be reflected within the church. Well, I have to tell you, my spiritual DNA says, for sure, not believe. You're being kind, Robert. I, I, I go so far as to say, if you don't understand God's plan for the Jew and Israel in the last days, and you end up on the wrong side of the fence, you're going to end up on the wrong side of God. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think that is, you know, it's really important. For most Christians, law has almost become like a cuss word. It's become like a profane word. And uh, what we have to understand is that law is, n is not a bad word. Um, and the Ten Commandments are something that God released in the earth in order to produce life. It's very interesting whenever uh, the rich young ruler, he came to Jesus and he asked him the question, he said, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And of course, the Greek word for eternal life there is zoe. It's the life of God. We've, we've learned that. And Jesus answers uh, by saying this, keep the commandments. Uh, obviously, Jesus had an understanding of the importance of the Ten Commandments because, of course, then the rich young ruler asked him, 
which ones? And Jesus begins to quote all of the Ten Commandments. And so Jesus makes a connection here between eternal life, and may I, if we can define it this way, the life of God, experiencing the life of God, and the Ten Commandments. What I found, there, are, there, there is a difference between being saved and then actually experiencing the very life of God. And so we know we're saved by the blood of Jesus, by believing upon the Lord. We call upon the name of the Lord. We are saved. We are born again. But then to fully enter into the fullness of everything that God has for us, then I believe that there is this aspect of obedience that God begins to expect out of us that brings us into that place of experiencing his life in abundance. Well, you go so far as to say that the key to life is keeping the commandments. Well, that's exactly what Jesus said. Uh, he, he actually, again, said, uh, when asked the question about eternal life and experiencing the life of God, uh, that the key to experiencing life, the, the Zoe of God, was keeping the commandments. If you think about this just purely on a natural level, uh, one, one of the Ten Commandments is don't steal. Well, the reality is if you steal, you end up going to jail. Uh, that's not what I call experiencing the life of God by being imprisoned because of a crime that you've committed. Another commandment is don't murder. Uh, you know, obviously, if somebody commits murder, there are penalties that go along with that. And so what you do is you begin to take yourself out of the position to receive of the fullness that God has for you as a result of disobedience versus whenever you obey, then you align yourself to receive of everything that God has for us and everything that God desires to release within our lives. You have found, with the revelation God's given you of grace in the Ten Commandments, and uh, <laughs> that, that once people get this revelation, the blessings of God literally overtake them. They move to new levels of intimacy with God. Uh, you're finding that, you're a pastor, are you finding that among the, the people that hear your teaching? Well, we are, and the ones that, that we found that will begin to apply these principles within their lives, you begin to see them getting promotions on their jobs, you begin to see financial breakthrough happening within their lives, you begin to see healing come forth within their bodies, because what we have to realize is that disobedience is always the door, and, and sin is the doorway by which the enemy can come in and steal, kill, and destroy. That's what Jesus said. But he said, but I've come that you might have life. And, of course, that's the word zoe, and that more abundantly. And so whenever people begin to do what Jesus said, whenever they, they begin to obey what he's commanded us, whenever they begin to adhere to the commandments that God has given to us as believers, then what it produces is great blessing, great breakthrough, miracles, and a manifestation of the supernatural power of God begins to come forth within their lives. Well, I can't wait for our mishpocha to get this full revelation. We'll teach uh, on it a little bit this week, but it, it, it's, I believe, it's necessary, absolutely essential that you and your entire house understand this. The book is called Next Level, 
and the two special CDs are called New Levels of Intimacy. And one of the CDs, I love it, is you, you teach on how to worship God based on the New Covenant revelation of the Ten Commandments. It, it affects every area of your life. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I, I personally believe, although, of course, I've been involved in worship ministry for years and years. I was a songwriter. I was a worship leader uh, and still am. Uh, but... Uh, you know, one of the things that I found is one of the greatest ways that we can worship God is just through a lifestyle of obedience. Oops, we're out of time. The book, the two CDs, new levels of intimacy, and a parchment paper suitable for framing, eight and a half by 11, of the Ten Commandments for your home for a gift of $35. Call our order only line, one 800 447 2697 1-800-447-2697. Robert, uh, someone that I really value in the body of Messiah by the name of uh, Bishop Bill Hammond, you were his worship leader. Did the anointing on him, because he is such a prolific prophet, did it rub off on you? Well, I would hope that it did, and uh, I consider Bishop Hammond my spiritual father, and uh, We've had this wonderful relationship with he, he and Mom Hammond for uh, over 25 years now, and uh, we are so appreciate the relationship that we have and appreciate all the uh, anointing and, and transfer that we have uh, received from their ministry. But, but, of course, it didn't start there. It started because you had praying parents. You were raised in a Pentecostal home, and uh, when uh, you were just 11 years of age— you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and uh, someone told me you couldn't speak English for the next how many hours? Well, uh, my mother and father, I, I, actually it happened at a youth meeting on, on a Tuesday night. I went to the youth meeting, and uh, I did not go there with the intention of being filled with the Holy Spirit. I just was going to the youth meeting, and they began to pray for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, there was a lady... Uh, that began to pray, and of course all the folks just began to gather around folks, uh, others that were uh, being prayed for to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but anyway, she began to shake a lot while we were, uh, while they were praying, so I thought that that was the thing that you were supposed to do, so I started, you know, just shaking myself, and the next thing you know, she turned around and said, I believe this little boy right here can be filled with the Holy Spirit, and hands began to come from all different directions toward me, and uh, anyway, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. My mom and dad came to pick me up. I could not even talk all the way home because any time I would try to open my mouth, tongues would come out. I went to bed that night just praying in tongues, and uh, and uh, it lasted that way until the next morning. Well, just out of curiosity, as a little 11-year-old kid, uh, how, how, how does that little mind wrap around, I can't speak English anymore? Well, it was one of the strangest things that had ever happened to me. Uh, I had an understanding, uh, at least a, a partial understanding, of what had happened, but the uh, only thing that I knew was I can't open my mouth without some other unusual language coming out. Of course, being brought up in— I, I think I might have thought, I'm never going to be able to speak English again. <laughs> well, I really didn't know at the time, uh, So, but uh, I would just— my mo- mother and father, they would ask me a question, and I would just, I would not respond to them. I would just go, mm-hmm, 
uh, because I could not, uh, anytime I would open my mouth to try to speak anything, tongues would come out. Uh, and, and another thing I like is uh, you are a worship leader, and you, you move in strong words of knowledge and prophecy, uh, but I love it because sometimes you sing it. Tell me about one time you sang a prophecy and what happened. Well, we've had a lot of different things that have taken place over the years. Uh, one of the things that I remember uh, very vividly, and I was ministering uh, in a uh, town that was right below Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, as I was leading in the worship, uh, the Lord began, and this is back many years ago, whenever the Lord first began to do this, uh, at least manifest in this way through me, and I began to sing this. The Lord gave me what I call a song of deliverance. And I began to sing this. Uh, the words were, there is somebody here. Uh, could I get you to, pray, to sing it rather than tell me it? Well, my voice was a lot better back then. Uh, that's okay. I, I'll give you grace. Go, go for it. But I, I began to sing, uh, there's somebody here. You've misaligned the vertebrae in your neck. But now the Spirit of the Lord is upon you, and he's healing you. It was something like that, and um, it was very short. It wasn't real long, uh, nothing uh, what you would call uh, great and profound melodically. But at the end of the service, uh, there's a lady that uh, comes up to me, running up to me at the end of the service, weeping and crying. And uh, she said, when you sang that song, I want you to know what happened to me is something popped in my neck said, I've been going to chiropractors for years. I've been going to doctors for years. I was in an automobile accident. I'm on con- constant pain medication uh, because of, of my neck. And she said, when you sang that song, something popped in my neck, and every bit of pain left my neck immediately. I saw the pastor about four months later in a conference, and he brought to my remembrance what had taken place. He said, do you remember the lady that got healed in the service about with her neck? He said, since then, she's not had one bit of pain medicine. She's not had anything uh, whatsoever, hasn't had to go back to the doctors, and has not experienced one bit of pain. Nobody laid hands on her. Nobody did anything other than it was just released through a prophetic song of deliverance. And it's what I believe, you know, the Bible says he sent his word and healed them. You know, you you, um, had something so wonderful happen with your children uh, and uh, as far as I'm concerned, to have your children serving the Lord, that's the most wonderful thing in the world. But uh, when your daughter was about to be born in 1988, she has a sonogram, and it reveals uh, that your daughter is dead uh, in the womb. What occurred? Well, what happened is my wife began to uh, bleed heavily, uh, and so she went to the doctor. Of course, we'd already found out and established that she was pregnant. Uh, she went to the doctor, and they did a sonogram. And whenever they conducted the sonogram, the diagnosis came back that she had a blighted ovum. And a blighted ovum is basically where pregnancy takes place, but then the embryo dies on the vine. Oh. So you have the sac, and you can actually even see the formation of life, but there is no life in it. There was no heartbeat. Uh, nothing, no activity whatsoever. And she was bleeding real heavily. And so the doctor told her, we need to do a DNC, 
uh, and we need to do it immediately. And so uh, I could not actually go with her to the doctor at that day, so she called me at the office, and I was at that time working with Christian International, Christian International with Dr. Bill Hammond, and she was crying and weeping, and she said, what do I do? I said, we're not going to do anything. We're, we are going, uh, as far as what the doctor is saying, we are going to stand on the word of the Lord, because what had just happened several months previous, we had received a prophetic word that we were going to have a daughter who would be a dancer in the house of the Lord. And so, and Paul said to take the prophetic word, he said, war a good warfare with the word that you've received. So we took that word and we began to war a good warfare with it. And so whenever I got home that night, I laid my hands upon her stomach. I said, you will live and not die. And we began to declare that we begin to take that word that we had received, those prophetic words that we'd received about having a daughter who would be a dancer in the house of the Lord, and we just begin to war good warfare with those. And about a month later, all the bleeding stopped. Then she went back to the doctor, and uh, the doctor uh, proceeded to do the sonogram and heard the heartbeat and literally jumped back in astonishment uh, uh, in the fact that uh, uh, there was a heartbeat that was actually there. And uh, what we believe is that God actually resurrected her in the womb, and she was born that year in 1988. And and today, uh, uh, she's the head of our dance uh, team. And so our, that prophetic word was from God. Almost definitely, most definitely. I mean, it saved her life to starters. <laughs> exactly. I mean, because you know, you knew she was going to be a dancer, so therefore you knew she was going to live. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and, and again, anytime you, you make a stand and you believe what God has said, because you, although we have promises in the written word, there was no specific word that I could go to in the Bible that said that I was going to have a daughter who would be a dancer in the house of the Lord. We would have had every reason just to believe whatever the doctor said and do what the doctor said, but we had a diagnosis. I call it a pre-diagnosis uh, from Dr. Jesus already that said that she was going to live and not die. Uh, we had a pre-diagnosis that said that she would be a dancer in the house of the Lord. And God resurrected her. And uh, again, today she's serving the Lord. She prophesies in the church um, and uh, now herself has two children. Well, as, as far as I'm concerned, you are one blessed man. I mean, your three children saved, filled with the Spirit, operate in the gifts of the Spirit, um, and uh, your grandchildren. I mean, I mean there, there's no greater blessing as far as I'm concerned. But I am concerned that many people are listening to us right now, and they may miss the next great and maybe last outpouring of God's Spirit on planet Earth that's just about ready to hit us uh, because they don't understand the Ten Commandments. Uh, explain on that just briefly. Well, I believe as a part of the New Covenant, we have to understand that grace does not separate us from the Ten Commandments. As a matter of fact, I have taught this and believe this, that grace actually ties it to us, ties the Ten Commandments to us to a greater level. Uh, in the Old Covenant, of course, what we know is the Ten Commandments were originally written on the tablets of stone. However, Jeremiah begins to prophesy of a day that would come whenever God would write a new covenant. Uh, and this is what he said. He said, I will write 
my law upon their hearts, and I will write it upon their minds. So in the Old Testament, the commandments were, of course, you shall not uh, have no other gods before you, uh, don't steal, don't lie, all of these things. These were commandments that were written on stone that were then imposed upon the folks, the people that were under the Old Covenant. In the New Testament, now, we are actually tied to those commandments to a greater level because they are now written upon our heart. So now they are commandments that motivate us to live righteously. They motivate us. I'm sorry, we're out of time, Robert. Robert, on yesterday's broadcast, we were talking about what God spoke to you, about grace and the Ten Commandments and the great outpouring of God's Spirit and how that many Christians are going to miss this outpouring because they don't understand the new covenant revelation of the Ten Commandments, which will bring them to a higher level in God in every dimension of their life. Uh, Many would say, uh, but Robert, uh, Jesus himself said, you only have to have two commandments. Uh, You don't need the Ten. Uh, What would you say to that? Well, the first thing that I would say is that that's actually not what Jesus said. <laughs> and the second thing is, I would say, is just to explain what he meant whenever he said it. Jesus was asked a question, and the question is, which are the greatest commandments, or which is the greatest commandment? And, of course, he said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your soul, all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength. And then he says, and the second command is likened unto it, you'll love your neighbor as yourself, And he says, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And so what was understood uh, by Jewish theologians is that, of course, the Ten Commandments were on two tablets. The first tablet had to do with you loving the Lord, loving God. The second tablet actually had to do with loving your neighbor as yourself and your behavior towards your neighbor. So the first tablet had to do with the relationship we had with God. The second tablet had to do with the relationship between uh, man and his neighbor. And so these, uh, it was understood that, the, that, that that comprised the Ten Commandments. So whenever Jesus actually said to love the Lord your God with all your soul, all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength, that was an immediate reference back to the first tablet. And then when he said, love your neighbor as yourself, that's an immediate reference back to the second table. And to even further ver- verify that, we see how that Paul said that loving your neighbor as yourself actually caused all of the other commandments, particularly located in the second tablet, how it caused all of them to be fulfilled. What did God show you about the Ten Commandments in the prophet Jeremiah? Well, Jeremiah began to speak over there in the 31st chapter of Jeremiah how that there was a new covenant that was coming. And what was different about the new covenant was this. God said, I will write my law upon their hearts. And so there's no indication that there would be so much a change of moral law, but that the location of where the law was at, that was what was going to change. So in the New Covenant, what we have now is we actually have those commandments that are written upon our hearts rather than written upon tablets of stone. 
So what we have now is an internal law that motivates us rather than an external law that is imposed upon us. So grace in no way separates us from the Ten Commandments. It actually ties us to them even to a greater degree. Now we know that they're actually fulfilled through love, but understand uh, for them to be fulfilled through love, there must be something that is to be fulfilled. And I believe that what we are to fulfill is obedience to the Ten Commandments. Well, one of the things that to me is an amazing revelation is uh, you call your book Next Level. Uh, You've seen that when people look at the Ten Commandments with grace, it just... uh, it's the only way to live. Uh, give us some examples. Well, again, we've seen so many folks who, as they grab a hold of this revelation, first of all, it begins to change the way that they live. It changes their behavior. It changes their outlook on life. Because now I'm not looking at grace merely as, a, uh, as, as something that covered my sin, as wonderful and as great as that is. But the grace of God is the fact that I am now empowered to live above sin. That's the reason Paul said, sin will not have dominion over you. And the reason for that is because now I live my life by the law of the Spirit. But the law of the Spirit is not contrary to the Ten Commandments. And so what we have to begin to realize is that as we begin to receive this revelation, as we begin to understand that we can live life at a higher level, uh, you know, I know of, of churches that have taught and even pastors many times that have taught that you just can't help but sin. There's no way that you can live a lifestyle of obedience. And uh, I believe that the grace of God is greater than that. And I believe that we can live at a higher level. And as we begin to do that, it opens up realms uh, to us that causes things to begin to take place within our lives that are only available and we only experience as a result of obedience and adherence to what God has commanded us to do. Give me an example. Take one of the commandments and show us how it operates under grace. Well, let's just take, for instance, um, the the commandment of uh, the second commandment, which is you're not to make any graven image and you're not to bow down to uh, that image. Really, the heart of the commandment is all about worship. As a matter of fact, where it actually commands for those to not bow down to idols, uh, the word bow down there, the Hebrew word, is translated repeatedly throughout the book of Psalms as worship. So the commandment is not so much don't have any type of sculptured item. That really was not what God was speaking about. But he was talking about worship. He was talking about the mandate of worship and how that worship is so important. I think it's it's so uh, interesting to, as you even begin to look at that commandment, whenever Jesus was being tempted by the devil in the wilderness, he actually used that commandment to overcome the devil. The enemy came to him, the devil came to him and said, you can have all of these things that you are looking at right now, all the kingdoms of this world, you can have them all if you'll bow down and worship me. What Jesus uses then to overcome the devil, he reaches back over into the second commandment 
and he begins to actually quote the second commandment, and he says, you will only worship the Lord, and him only will you serve. And so Jesus is actually restating the second commandment, which is a commandment about worship. And what's very interesting, Sid, after Jesus says that, the Bible says that the devil left him. It's interesting whenever we start worshiping God, how that actually causes the devil to actually begin to run away. I think there are a lot of believers that would have a lot less trouble in their life if they'd begin to live a lifestyle of worship, a lifestyle of praise. But that's all uh, withheld in the second commandment. We can see that mandate of worship that is uh, that we see dictated in the second commandment. I, I, you know, I'm reminded of, uh, I'm told that uh, when you worship at your congregation, you've literally, without an altar call or anything, had people run to the altar to be saved. And we have had that happen on numerous occasions. We had uh, uh, one time there, there was a, a gentleman that had uh, actually decided that he was going to be an atheist. And uh, not only that, but he had left his wife. He had filed for divorce. They had went through a divorce. He came back and visited in a service. And in the middle of worship, God got a hold of his heart. God began to deal with his heart and came down in the middle of worship. And, uh, and, and he rededicated his life. Today, their family's back together. Today, they're serving the Lord. You know, on tomorrow's broadcast, uh, the revelations that God has given you on the New Covenant understanding of the connection between grace and the Ten Commandments, I believe every Christian has to hear this. In fact, my experience, what's been your experience as far as Christians even knowing all of the Ten Commandments? Well, I I think it could definitely be argued from just the lifestyles that many people who call themselves Christians live. uh, I think it could definitely be argued that they don't even know the Ten Commandments. And I believe that we need to have a, a fresh understanding. You know, you think about this. Again, God could have given, said anything he wanted to say to his people, declare to Moses uh, there on Mount Sinai. But there were ten specific edicts that God gave. Well, if God felt it was so important that he himself would come down and engrave those in tablets of stone, I believe that we as Christians should definitely place some value upon these commands that God has given to us. Well, I I love the uniqueness of your teaching. Uh, There's two CDs we're calling New Levels of Intimacy, uh, and one of them teaches how to worship God based on the New Covenant revelation of the Ten Commandments. Uh, And uh, the, the other one, you teach the revelations God's given you on the Ten Commandments, plus the book called Next Level. Uh, what kind of feedback are you getting on this book? Well, all the feedback that we have gotten so far has been very, very positive. Uh, I've talked to some leading ministers throughout the nation. Uh, I, I talked to several of them uh, before I actually finished the book and told them what I was writing, and uh, their comment was to, uh, to me was, uh, this needed to be written yesterday, and uh, so, and everyone who's read it has brought a positive impact into their lives. Uh, again, I, I believe it's taking them to a greater level of relationship with the Lord, a greater level of serving the Lord, 
a greater level of the supernatural manifested within their lives uh, as a result of uh, this understanding. Now, why is it so important now that they get this understanding? Why is God having you release this now? Well, I believe that we are right now uh, preparing ourselves, and we're getting ready for the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit that we have ever seen. Uh, I know I've sensed in my spirit there is a tidal wave of the Holy Spirit that is being released upon the church. And I believe there is going to be a great, great harvest of souls. That are yeah, but it's not going to be for people that don't understand the New Covenant revelation of the Ten Commandments. I'll tell you that. Robert, many people who disregard, uh, unfortunately, the only Bible the first church had, <laughs> the Old Testament, uh, say, we're not even interested in the te- In fact, you told me about something you heard on TV uh, about the Ten Commandments. What was that? Well, I, I heard somebody ministering the other day, and he actually came out and said that uh, any pastor or preacher that teaches the Ten Commandments to their congregation, that they were killing their congregation. And, uh, of course, my thought to that was, well, obviously Jesus didn't get that memo, and obviously Paul didn't get that memo, and neither did James, because both Jesus, Paul, and James uh, re-articulated, if not all of the Ten Commandments, most of them. Uh, of course, between, between all three of them, all of them were re-articulated in some manner or form, and, uh, and Jesus actually takes the commandments into what we call a higher level, uh, the next level. So a grace, uh, you know, because we are now saved through grace, it doesn't mean that the bar has been lowered. Uh, it actually means that the standard has been raised. And so uh, I, I think it's very important that we as New Testament believers realize that the Old Testament uh, again, as you even pointed out, uh, that was the only Bible that the early church had. That's the Bible that Paul preached out of. That's the Bible that all of the uh, apostles preached out of. So there, you know, we don't have an Old Testament God and a New Testament God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, give an example of how uh, it was brought to a new level. But your teaching is so good on every one of the commandments. Uh, Pick one of the commandments and explain. Well, we see how that Jesus actually takes, uh, takes the commandments and takes them to what, what, I, what I call the next level, a higher level, a, a higher dimension. Uh, for instance, the one concerning murder. We'll just use that one. Uh, he said, you've heard that it, uh, it said, don't murder. Uh, you won't commit a murder, but I'm telling you, don't even be angry without a cause. And then whenever you read on, what Jesus actually begins to uh, basically tell everybody is you need to learn to agree and get over your issue. Uh, as a matter of fact, I have a, a chapter within my book called Get Over It, and uh, that actually has to do with, uh, with the command of you shall not murder. In other words, what Jesus was actually teaching is uh, you've got to deal with the root of murder. If you deal with anger, murder won't be an issue. If you deal with unforgiveness, murder will not be an issue with anybody's life. As a matter of fact, it actually, John, later on, the Apostle John, when in his writings, actually talks about how that if you hate your brother, uh, it's the same as murder. Well, why would somebody hate somebody? It's because of some type of issue of anger, unforgiveness, bitterness, jealousy, 
all of these things uh, that actually lead somebody uh, to, to uh, the sin of murder. Well, even, say, adultery, the roots are similar. Well, exactly. And uh, really the commandment even concerning adultery, Jesus takes to the next level. He says, uh, you've heard that you're not to commit adultery, but I'm telling you, don't even look in that direction. Whoever looks on a woman to lust after her actually commits adultery in his heart. So what Jesus addresses there is the root of the problem, the root of the issue, the root of the sin. And, of course, the root is lust in the heart of man. Well, thank God Jesus took care of that. We are now new creations in Christ Jesus, so now we're enabled to fulfill that commandment. So really even the commandment of adultery has to do uh, really with the necessity of commitment and covenant and staying in covenant, walking in covenant, keeping your commitment. Uh, and that's what even that commandment is about. Robert, explain uh, the first commandment. Uh, most believers don't understand it from a new covenant understanding. Explain. Well, of course, in the, in the original Ten Commandments, the first commandment was to have no other gods before me. And if you actually take that and place it in the affirmative, what it literally means is this, put God first. Make him the priority of your life. And we see Jesus actually even rearticulating that commandment whenever he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. You know, there's something that takes place whenever we make God the priority of our life. When we make Jesus the priority of our life, things begin to fall into place. I think it's so interesting whenever Jesus even talks about uh, this commandment and the principles concerning this commandment, how that he actually says, don't seek after food and clothing and raiment and all these things. And then he says this, for after these things, the Gentiles seek. Uh, what Jesus meant whenever he said the Gentiles is he was saying those who are outside of covenant. This is the way people who are living outside of a covenant operate. They're all, you know, always concerned about what am I going to have to eat? What am I going to have to wear? Where am I going to live? All of these things, all these natural things. But then he says, but if you'll seek first the kingdom of God, in other words, if you make God the priority of your life, if you make him the focus of your attention, then all of these things are going to be added unto you, which that leads me to say this. The purpose for the very first commandment is so that God can bring blessing into our life. We have to understand that God, in bringing forth the Ten Commandments, was not trying to cramp our style and trying to make life difficult for us. He was saying, if you will do these things, you are going to see an outpouring of my blessing. The same way Jesus said, as you seek first the kingdom of God, all of these things are going to be added. He didn't say they're going to be taken away from you. He said they'll be added unto you. You're going to be blessed. You're going to have everything that you needed, plus you are going to be overwhelmed with the very blessing of God. What about the time that Jesus said uh, to, to, to people, I never knew you? Explain that scripture. Right. Well, it's very interesting that uh, Jesus said, many will come to me in that day. And I think it's very interesting that he used the word many. But he said, many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not 
you know, uh, have have we not cast out devils in your name? Have we not healed the sick in your name? Have we not done all these wonderful, glorious, marvelous things, which, by the way, are things that we are even commanded to do as believers and exhorted to do as believers and things we can do as believers because of the supernatural power of God. But uh, then this is what Jesus says. He said, then I'll look at them and say, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So it's very interesting from this particular account that Jesus begins to declare and begins to teach on. He's saying, you know, you you called me Lord, you prophesied, you did all these things. However, there's something missing in your life, and that is this, you practice lawlessness. And lawlessness is basically living void of law, living without any law. And again, for many Christians, law is almost like a cuss word. It's a bad word for so many people. Uh, All of us have heard the phrase, we're no longer under the law. Uh, What does that mean to you? Well, of course, I do agree to a certain degree. There are certain aspects of law that we are no longer under. I, I mean, I'm glad that I can go to church and I don't have to bring some type of sacrifice. Uh, I can bring the sacrifice of praise, uh, blood sacrifices, these type of things uh, that were involved in Levitical law are no longer applicable to us, and Jesus took care of all of that at the cross. However, every one of the Ten Commandments are re-articulated in the New Testament. And so to say that we are in some way no longer under under that again uh, as i've already spoken about some we actually have the law of god written on our hearts now so if anything we are actually tied to moral law to a greater degree now as those under the new covenant than even those who lived under the old covenant give me an example of someone in your church that grabbed hold of your teaching of what happened to them we had one gentleman, he was a, actually a used car salesman, and uh, he was your stereotypical used car salesman, and uh, he would try to make a buck off everything. He really lived his life as a taker. We began to teach this about learning to live your life as a giver, because really that's what the commandment of do not steal, uh, actually the heart of the commandment is to live your life as a giver. And anyway, he began to turn his life around, and um, he began to sow, he began to give, he began to tithe, he began to give offerings. Very, very generous giver. And uh, as a result of that, today he owns a million-dollar business. God has opened up the doors for him and done just tremendous, tremendous supernatural miracles within his life in the area of finances. And it's all because he got a hold of an understanding that I'm not going to live my life as a taker anymore. I'm not going to steal anymore. But I'm going to begin to live my life as a giver. Robert, what do you believe will occur when people listen to your two CDs and read your book, Next Level? Well, I believe that it's going to begin to cause some revelation to come that's going to cause them to actually move to a higher level of the manifestation of the blessing of God and see the life that Jesus promised manifested within their life to a greater level. Robert, what does grace really mean? Well, I think that traditionally what the, uh, the definition that we have heard concerning grace is that it is unmerited favor. 
And while I wouldn't necessarily argue with that, when you really define the word grace, and you can go to a Strong's Concordance and find this, it literally means this, the divine influence on the heart and its reflection in the life. So the true definition of grace is God's influence on your heart that is now reflected in the life that you are living. You know, I've seen people before who say that they're living by grace, but yet they're living a lifestyle of sin. And that's not living by grace, because when you live by grace, there is going to be a reflection of a divine influence upon your heart. And so what we have to realize is that grace does not separate us from the Ten Commandments. Grace does not liberate us from the Ten Commandments. It actually empowers us to now fulfill them and even fulfill them at the next level that Jesus talked about. Show me uh, what you mean when you say that the Ten Commandments are a prophetic picture. Well, what we see happening whenever God delivers the children of Israel out of Egypt, the Bible says that he brings them out of Egypt, brings them out with a um, uh, just a mighty victory. And, of course, we know that that is a type of what happens whenever somebody becomes born again. They come out of Egypt. So we see a prophetic picture in God delivering the children of Israel out of Egypt, and that is like somebody getting saved. They are coming out of Egypt. They are coming out of sin. The next thing that happens is they cross the Red Sea. At the Red Sea, the enemy is destroyed. Again, a prophetic picture of what happens at the time that someone is born again. The, the enemy is put underneath your feet. That's what Paul said. The devil is under our feet. But then the next thing that takes place is this. God takes them to Mount Sinai where there are actually commandments, the Ten Commandments specifically, that are given. And so likewise, this same thing happens with us. And we see that in Jeremiah where he says, I will write a new covenant and I will write it upon their hearts. So the same thing happens in the lives of those who are believers today. We come out of Egypt when we're saved. The enemy is placed underneath our feet. And then at the same time, God now writes his law upon our hearts. So grace never separates us from the moral law that was contained in the Ten Commandments. Grace actually reinforces that law. As a matter of fact, we're actually tied to it now to a greater level than what even those under the Old Covenant were. So the, the difference is now it's not an external law that forces us, but it's an internal law that begins to motivate us to do what's right, to live holy, to walk in a lifestyle of obedience to God, and do what's pleasing within his sight. I've often wondered about in the Ten Commandments, it talks about uh, make no graven image. Uh, what does that mean? Well, the heart of the commandment is actually about worship because the reason that an idol would be created was for the purpose of worship. In other words, people were not just carving things just to, be, to, to have something to sit around the house. Uh, these images were carved and they were graven for the purpose of worship. It was an object uh, that someone could actually look at while they were worshiping and paying homage to it. Well, in the Old Testament, of course, we have the commandment of not uh, making any idols and we're not to bow down to them. 
So the heart of the commandment is about worship. We are not to worship idols. We are to worship God. And it's just so interesting what begins to take place within our lives as a result of our worship. Uh, Again, Jesus, when he was tempted by the devil, the devil tried to get him to bow down to him. And he said, if you'll bow down to me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of uh, of this world, all the riches, all the wealth, everything that the world has to offer, Jesus, I'll give that to you. If you'll bow down and worship me. And what Jesus actually says is, I'm, well, I'm commanded, it's written, that we are to only worship the Lord God, and him only will you serve. Jesus was reaching back to the Ten Commandments, the Second Commandment, particularly about idolatry, and said, I'm going to worship God and worship him only. And I personally believe this, Sid. I I don't believe Jesus just quoted that, but I believe that Jesus, on the heels of that, he actually began to do that. I believe that Jesus began to worship. I believe that Jesus began to honor the Father. I believe that he just, he had his own little praise break going on right there. And the Bible says that immediately after that, the devil left him. And see, there's great power that is released in our life. There's supernatural power released within our lives whenever we begin to worship God. And again, that is uh, obedience to the second commandment whenever we begin to worship him. Now, tell me about the uh, the gang member in your church that when you started talking about honoring your mother and father, what happened? Well, he had been a part of a gang for many, many years. And, uh, you know, the Lord began to convict him and he began to get an understanding of the importance of serving God, and one of the first things that took place is he began to hear some of the teaching, uh, even about honoring your father and mother, is uh, his relationship with his mother that had been estranged and had been very tense. It began to be restored, and God totally miraculously restored this gentleman, totally miraculously caused him to come into a place uh, of, of newness of life, uh, as a result of this. And, of course, today he's married. Today he's got a steady job. Today God's blessing he, uh, him and his family also. And, and so, again, there's always a blessing that is associated with obedience. I think so, many times Christians do not realize that God does not command us to do things in order to cramp our style. His whole desire for the commandment, his whole purpose for the commandment, is to produce blessing and breakthrough within our lives. Well, you know, speaking of blessing, you have an interesting teaching on the commandment from a new covenant perspective of thou shalt not covet. Oh, exactly. And, and really that's about making the eternal your focus, begin to focus on the eternal. And I've said this before because what happens many times is whenever people begin to see somebody else that has nice things, they begin to covet it. And the way that it, covetousness Uh, begins to manifest is through jealousy and envy, and many times through greed, discontentment, and ingratitude. And I've said this before, if you see somebody being blessed, you need to learn to celebrate with their blessing, because celebrating somebody else's blessing will cause blessing to be attracted to your life. Sid, one of the things that we see in the Word, in the Bible, is that every commandment that we see in the Ten Commandments has its basis in reciprocating love. That means this, the commandment was given because of God's love for us and is then fulfilled 
through our love for him and our neighbor. You see, as you walk in love, the commandments are fulfilled. The Love is the reason the commandment was given, and love is the way that we also fulfill the commandment. And as a result of that, that causes our faith to work at a higher level because the Bible says faith works by love. And as a result of that, we begin to see God's blessing poured out within our lives in an unprecedented manner. I will tell you, obedience always has the reward of blessing. And if we will obey and if we will do what God has commanded us to do, there will be blessing. There will be supernatural occurrences that take place within our lives because God's standing and he's ready. and He's wanting to release those things, but we have to align ourselves with his word and begin to live a lifestyle of obedience to him. Robert, you believe, and I believe, the Ten Commandments, when connected to grace, result in supernatural blessings from God. Uh, Tell me how important it is at this moment in history to be following the Ten Commandments connected with grace. Well, I believe that as we get this revelation and understanding, I believe it begins to open up supernatural doors for us to see the manifest blessing of God in a way that we never have. And uh, we see that God has always released blessing on the other side of obedience. He always releases supernatural things, supernatural victories, manifested within the lives of those who will actually adhere to what he has said and be willing to say, Lord, not my way, not my will, but yours be done, and then begin to walk that out. There is a great blessing that God releases in the lives of those who are willing to do that. What a great Bible study, this book on the New Covenant revelation of the Ten Commandments. And I tell you, and Robert prophesied, that this is preparation for the great outpouring of God's Spirit. We're making his book, two CDs, New Levels of Intimacy with God, and a copy of on parchment paper of the Ten Commandments for a gift of $35. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming Mishpucha or Chalitzim, write to me, Sid Roth, Post Office Box, 39222 Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. To place a credit card order, call anytime, 1-800-447-2697. For all other calls, the number is 704-943-6500. That's 704-943-6500. For a CD of this week's broadcast, Send a donation to Sid Roth, that's S-I-D-R-O-T-H, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.